Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Freedom Talks. It's a pleasure to have Doug Bertram on the podcast. And uh, Doug Bertram is one of the founders of Structural Elements. He founded Structural Elements in 2006. He was uh, originally a massage therapist focused on treating athletic injuries. And now he has a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine. And Structural Elements is close to Freedom in the Milwaukee area located in Shorewood. Uh, Actually, right close to where I used to, to live. So, uh, Doug, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, Doug. So I guess if you could, let's start from the beginning. Um, you were a massage therapist, um, and it sounds like you were also an athlete yourself. Is that partially where uh, your interest in treating um, athletes came from? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we, we can go back a ways here, and, and ultimately my interest in uh, in physical therapy, uh, rehab, uh, just in, in, in recovery from, from sports injuries came, uh, as a, as a, as a high school soccer player, um, Rufus King high school in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, broke my wrist the very first game of the season, which was, you know, devastating to a young athlete, uh, ended up losing that season. And, and my experience with the orthopedic surgeon was basically, uh, you know, don't expect a lot of use out of this hand in the future. And, and I was a 14 year old goalkeeper that lived to play soccer. And, uh, it was, it was my experience with an awesome team of, of therapists that, that ultimately got me back to being, you know, starting goalkeeper the next year. And so, uh, at, at a young age, I became really interested in the rehab process and helping athletes kind of get back on the field and, and to achieve their goals. Um, also, while at Rufus King, a uh, gentleman by the name of Larry Gardner was the track coach back when I was when I was there and running, and uh, he offered like a really cool um, kind of uh, sports medicine kind of athletic training course, and uh, and I loved it, you know. And so he he recognized that not only as a track athlete was I always you know leading the team in stretches and recommending you know uh, taping and things like that, but. But uh, he recognized that I really had a passion for anatomy and everything. And, and he, he came up with this really cool idea. He was like, you know, why don't before you go to college, why don't you go to massage school? And that way, while you're in college and while you're pursuing higher education, you already have a skilled trade. You can make some decent money and you can continue to work in the environments that you think you might want to end up in kind of terminally. And uh, it just clicked for me, man. I was like, yeah, that that makes total sense, you know. So I took a furlough year between high school and college, went to, uh, at the time, it was Lakeside Massage School and and the east side of Milwaukee. And and as an 18-year-old, started working on bodies. Hey, that, that, uh, that's awesome that you had that kind of mentor in your life that was able to kind of recognize where your interests kind of were and was able to guide those appropriately uh, and give yeah. you some solid advice. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I give some credit to my mom too. I mean, my mom was a, a body worker when I grew up. So, I mean, I went to chiropractics. I mean, I, you know, was familiar with Peter when I was in high school and, you know, from, from freedom. And, and so, uh, you know, I've just been around it, you know, pretty much my whole life. So, uh, so it made a lot of sense as a natural uh, kind of starting point. Did you end up getting full use out of that hand? Yeah. I mean, I, I work, you know, uh, 40, 40 patients a week, every week, you know, <laughs> healing, healing other bodies with it, you know? Um, so, um, play, I'm an avid golfer, you know, there's, uh, you know, 
it, it pretty much is, uh, is just as, the only thing is like the best man in my wedding, Luke, that owns the structure structural elements clinic in Shorewood. Uh, he gives me a hard time because I, it is a little shorter than the other arm. You know? So that's, <laughs> that's the one thing that he can kind of, you know, give me a hard time for. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's good. I need something that he can make fun of. So. That's right. Um, so you got, you go, go to college. Did you, did you complete four year, uh, college? Yeah, at, I, I at some point I did. And, and even though, you know, I had a, I had a busy practice as a massage therapist all through undergrad, all through grad school. Um, you know, my, uh, my, my niche and I went to school in Boulder, Colorado, and I went to a small, uh, liberal arts college there and I studied psychology. It's actually a Buddhist school. I studied okay. Buddhist psychology, which wow. most people, you know, didn't even know was a thing, but, um, but, uh, but also, um, you know, the, the, the population in Boulder is such an active population. And, and so I really got in working with a lot of rock climbers. I was a climber at the time and trained at a, at a climbing gym called Colorado Athletic Training School, real hard bouldering gym. So I started working on a lot of the gymnasts and the climbers and, and uh, really kind of found a niche with that active community um, in, in, in Boulder. But at the same time, I was studying, you know, psychology because I really like, you know, the, the relation of how the mind plays in. And that undergrad ed- education didn't really prep me, you know, for going into, you know, even really PT school. I had, I would have had a, a lot of, you know, prereqs that I would have had to fulfill. And, uh, you know, I looked at osteopathic medicine as, as, as a big passion. And, and when I kind of looked at the next step, um, pursuing an education in, in, in Chinese medicine kind of built off of, you know, some of my Eastern philosophy stuff that I learned in, in, in undergrad, but also the, the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine in San Diego, which is where I did my master's uh, program. It allowed you to fulfill a lot of those prereqs while you, uh, taking the, the rest of the curriculum. So we were able to do, you know, all the neuroanatomy uh, and the biochem and biophysics and, and some of the prereqs that, that I didn't have going in, you could kind of parallel, uh, take those along with your first year of studies. So, um, so if nothing else, it was just the not wanting to go back for more undergrad pre-med to be able to go forward. The Chinese medicine path, you know, made a lot of sense. Okay. Um, after, uh, you know, after going to massage school, I immediately oriented towards all the myofascial work. You know, I went down to Arizona studying with John Barnes and all the myofascial release stuff, studied, you know, uh, neuromuscular work and trigger point work and all the cranial sacral work and visceral manipulation and, and, and really uh, started having a, a soft tissue, connective tissue focus uh, very early on. And, and even though a lot of my professors in my graduate studies for Chinese medicine couldn't tell you that that's what we were working on, 100% uh, Chinese medicine and the meridians and the, the uh, connective tissue pathways uh, is, is the mechanism of effectiveness in that system of medicine. Um, so it, it was a natural fit the more I thought about it. So one of, you know, one of the things that's just kind of popping into my head is, you know, what is, could you kind of explain the difference between like a, what a traditional PT program would, would be focusing on compared to um, what, what's your program in Chinese medicine kind of focused on? Um, yeah, I'm sure yeah. so, some of it's going to align other philosophies, I'm sure, sure. Are, are a tad different. Absolutely. You know, that's a great question. And first of all, a lot of times, you know, 
in most states, like in Maryland here for me, I'm, I'm licensed as an acupuncturist, right? That's, okay. that's the licensing body is, is acupuncture. But I always say that's like calling a, an orthopedic surgeon a scalpel doctor, right? Sure. It's, just, it's one tool, right? And, and when you study Chinese medicine in a, in a, in a comprehensive uh, program, um, the acupuncture is just, especially in China, the acupuncture is just one of the modalities that is used, right? So, you know, we studied dietetics, we studied exercise science. Science, and, and my passion is really in manipulation, right? Is it what in Chinese medicine they call tui na, push pull, right? So it's, um, I've always been most interested in the manual therapy, um, even though, you know, people think of Chinese medicine and they think of just the needles of acupuncture. But that's just one of our tools, you know? So in, in traditional PT, you know, I think um, certainly there's more focus on, you know, biomechanics and, and, and kinetics. There's a lot more, uh, uh, um, you know, focus on individual uh, joint rehab and orthopedic testing as to how it relates to uh, the performance and function of, of individual body parts. Um, and in Chinese medicine, they really look at systems, right? So it's more of a, uh, instead of a reductionist model, it, it's more of, of um, you know, looking at how everything fits together. And, and, and even though there are, you know, there's a lot of language in Chinese medicine that's very, um, you know, kind of deceiving when they talk about like, you know, energy and they talk about organ systems like, you know, your liver is stagnated and the liver rules the sinews, which are the connective tissues. You can get really lost in some of the jargon, but, but really when you look at it, it's about is this tissue getting good blood flow? Right. Yep. And is this tissue, you know, have uh, the ability to communicate afferent feedback back to the central nervous system or is there, you know, poor uh, regulation of, 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 of function? And so uh, once you get through the language, you kind of do some of the translation. We're, we're, we're all dealing with the same medium. Right. Um, the, the, the biggest difference, I think, is looking at the constitution of an individual. So you don't necessarily treat every, you know, osteoarthritic, you know, knee patient with the same protocol. You're going to do a differential diagnosis of, you know, is this a, a cold condition? Is it an excess condition? Is it a, is it a hot condition? You know, is it, is it inflamed because there's too much fluid because the body's not processing the fluid? Or is it inflamed because it's, you know, it's got heat and it's, there's too much blood flow. And, you know, so there's, there's some of those differentiating bodies that again, a good PT is going to find their way there anyways, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a bad acupuncturist isn't going to, uh, uh, apply, you know, it to, uh, you know, to, to the systems of the body anyway. So there's, 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 there's a lot of overlap, you know, if you kind of almost between uh, physical therapy, chiropractics and Chinese medicine, you can kind of draw like a Venn diagram with three overlapping circles. And what we do at Structural Elements is really kind of right in the center of that Venn diagram. You know, we have a lot of overlap with the manual therapies, with manipulation and, and applying the, the differential diagnosis and treatment principles of Chinese medicine. Yeah, no. I, so, you know, there, there's a lot of jargon being thrown around there. And, and I think there's two really key points that I hit on. Well, A, um, a, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about is like if you have a conversation with one of our visceral therapists or women's health therapists, um, uh, we have one cranial sacral, uh, one occupational therapist in Grafton who does some cranial sacral work. Um, you know, they, they talk a lot about that when they go to these courses, um, a lot of the same things. Um, so like you said, there is a lot of crossover. Um, 
and I liked the point that you made about, you know, acupuncture is the licensing body for you, but that, that is just a tool. And I think, uh, a lot of people, not to necessarily their own fault. It's just that I think there's a certain stigma, um, or just kind of like common knowledge of like, oh, you go to a physical therapist, you're going to just do exercises. You go to this person who's technically an acupuncturist, all you're going to get is acupuncture. Um, and that's not really the case. Like they have multiple tools in their bag and it's, you know, a lot of it is, um, at least for the therapist, I don't know about your experience specifically, but a lot of that is, uh, a lot of these therapists, they have uh, a certain interest and it pushes them in a certain way when they're looking at continuing education and what they're really interested in treating. Um, and then they go to these different courses and seek out more education on a specific topic that gives them more tools to help them treat what they're truly interested in treating. Um, and so I, I really like that point of, you know, hey, like... From day one of, of going into to Chinese medical school, I knew that my population that I wanted to work with was, you know, endurance athletes and, and, and wanted to work with, um, you know, within sports medicine and orthopedics. So, you know, like just like somebody goes to med school, they go on the fast track to, you know, being a, a general, you know, family physician or they go to be, you know, an orthopedic specialist. Um, it was orthopedics all the way. So all my clinical internships and everything else that I did was focused on orthopedics and focused on, on sports medicine. And, you know, one of the, one of the questions that I'm hoping uh, we, that I can get to here, as far as the, the kind of the overlap between professions in terms of PT and, and, and Chinese medicine and acupuncture that comes up all the time is dry needling versus acupuncture and yes. what's the difference. Yeah. Right? And so this is one that I love to, to dive straight into because uh, there is no difference between dry needling and acupuncture. Okay, so so I'm I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say that right right away. Okay, the the term dry needling is is used in uh, double blind control based studies to prove the efficacy of injection therapy. Okay, which would be considered a wet needle, right? Yep. So when you're doing a trigger point injection and you're injecting, you know, lidocaine or you're you know doing a, a dextrose injection. And looking at the effectiveness of trigger point injection, you need to have a control group. And mm -hmm. so that control group was doing the injection without an injectable. Okay. okay? Yep. And so what they started finding is that the trigger point injection without the injectable was also very clinically effective. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. But using a hypodermic needle to perform that trigger point injection has a lot of bruising and trauma to the tissue and increased risk of infection because that hypodermic needle has a beveled edge, which makes it, you know, sharper and it does more uh, trauma to the tissue. It also is uh, hollow, which has more bloodborne pathogen risk and risk of infection. It's also painful, right? Yep. So if, if dry needling is effective, but the hypodermic needle is not an ideal tool to perform that dry needling, well, what other, what other needles are available? Well, solid filiform needles are available. Those are called acupuncture needles. Okay. Now, the why you stick an acupuncture needle in a point can be anything under the sun in Chinese medicine, right? Okay. Yep. So there are trigger point needling in Chinese medicine that are based on palpation of finding tight 
tender points and getting a twitch response, which they call in Chinese medicine, da chi response, okay? Getting, getting the grab of the muscle and a twitch response. No different than trigger point dry needling is performed in, in physical therapy clinics, okay? It is meant to hit the neuromuscular bundle to turn off a hypertonic muscle that is in a state of fibrillation. Okay. Mm -hmm. To reset and repolarize that muscle belly, to turn off the tension, and oftentimes to alleviate pain or improve function. Okay, it's the exact same reason that it's used in that context in in Chinese medicine. Right, the term acupuncture simply means puncturing the skin in a specific point. Mm -hmm. Why you do acupuncture gets into the ideals of Chinese medicine. Okay. okay. You have Japanese, you know, uh, medicine, which might be more based on palpation. Chinese medicine, you know, traditional Chinese medicine might be based on an ideal of specific, you know, points along the meridian that are said to have therapeutic benefits on the organ systems. You have Korean hand acupuncture that might use a, a microsystem of the hand to facilitate uh, a change in that microclimate. You have French auricular acupuncture that's using points just in the ear, right? So you have all these different systems. The commonality of saying acupuncture means that they're using needles to puncture the skin. Okay. So we, in our practice, we say dry needle or acupuncture, depending upon your license, right? Sure. So a PT can't say that they're doing acupuncture, right? Yes. But I say it's acupuncture because I'm an acupuncturist. But our target tissue are focal adhesions within the connective tissue itself. Okay. Focal adhesions that have formed either subcutaneously or on the intramuscular septa between two functional muscle bellies. The reason these focal adhesions form is, is it's, it's extra collagen production or, co or collagen fibrils that have gotten closer together due to the fluid-filled vacuoles in the interstitium uh, bursting as the fluid dries out from repetitive use. So what happens is due to any sort of structural imbalance in the body, as the prime movers become postural stabilizers, there's gross metabolic inefficiency, and you end up forming focal adhesions in the soft tissue. Right? It's the same knot that you feel at the top of the levator scapulae, right? The reason why everybody has a knot there is because everybody's dealing with head forward posture and you have to thicken the collagen at those trigger points in the top of the trap to deal with the mechanical stress of the head forward posture. Sure. Okay. So, so that's a common point that we would need to release that focal adhesion to allow for postural change elsewhere in the body. Right. Yep. So, so whether you call it dry needling or you call it acupuncture, we're using the same tool. We're targeting the exact same tissue. Right. But where I think the language has gone wrong, especially in the licensing bodies. And, and we talk about scope of practice. I think everybody should be able to dry needle as long as they know anatomy and as long as they've had clean needle technique training. Right. Because it's a very effective tool. I'm, I'm one of the acupuncturists that's a huge advocate for dry needling amongst chiropractors and physical therapists, because I think it's an awesome tool that helps people. And why not empower therapists with that with that wonderful tool? Right. But but really, the language in those practice acts should differentiate dry needling from the practice of Chinese medicine. OK, not um, acupuncture. So I got so just to be clear, I was just curious. So uh, when when you're learning acupuncture or you're getting, I'm sure that, is there a test that you have to take? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, everybody's board certified. I mean, yeah. you know, to, to graduate from school, you have to, you know, obviously pass your, your school's own, uh, yeah. you know, courses in, in curriculum, but then there, then there's on the, on the national standard, uh, there's the, the national test that most states accept um, with the exception of uh, Florida, California, and New York have their own board requirements. 
Um, California has as a almost double the national standard, which is why I went to school in California, oh. because California actually uh, acupuncturists were awarded uh, primary care provider status in relation to work comp via the Hoover Commission back in the 70s. And so um, so the, the, the requirements are, are substantial in California. Um, so I, I've got a question. So just in terms of um, do you know specific, like, have you been to any of the courses that like a physical therapist would attend? I'm just curious because I want to know if you know of any like perceived differences in maybe the training, um, like what's different. Cause like, I know like a, a therapist, right. They're not necessarily, um, going to be well-versed, I think in, some of the acupuncture practices that you treat as an acupuncturist and they kind of use it for the intramuscular uh, dry needling, you know, tool right. that that's they have. What I'm saying is that in our practice, we use it for the intramuscular dry needling application. Yes, I understand. Our target, yep. tissue, our target tissue is, is, is collagen bundles of, of that have formed focal adhesions. I'm not doing points because it's going to soothe the liver chi, or I'm not doing points to, to, you know, reduce, you know, stomach heat or to tonify your spleen. I'm trying to free up the tissue between your levator scapulae and, and your trap to improve glide along the intramuscular septa so that I can improve your posture and improve the function of your shoulder girdle. Oh, right. Okay. And, we are we are we are orthopedic and we are structural through and through. Okay. Right? So the the other the other difference, just while we're kind of on the topic of the difference of how we treat, and this this isn't unique to this isn't a Chinese medicine or a PT difference. Yeah. This is really a cash practice versus a an insurance practice difference. But oftentimes when you think physical therapy. Right. You oftentimes think of traditional outpatient clinics that are getting a diagnosis of, you know, you're coming in with with a script for treating the knee and the physical therapist is going to, you know, treat the knee. Right. Sure. So they're going to yep. strengthen. They're going to do manual therapy to improve range of motion. But, you know, when when you when you start thinking about insurance practice as a therapist, if you identify that the problem with the knee is that the hips are out of balance, right? Yep. A lot of times in the insurance world, you have to go get another script for the hips to start, uh, you know, getting reimbursed <laughs> for treating the hips, right? Yes. Yeah. As a cash practitioner, you are treating your patient, right? Yep. You're not just looking at the diagnosis and the script of why they came in. You were looking at them as a whole unit, Right. And I think naturally my background in Chinese medicine already had me queued up to kind of look at the patient as, as a whole functioning unit. But we say, you know, it doesn't matter who you are and what you do. You want your eyes to be level. Right. Yep. That's a neutral horizon. So your auditory and visual fields are neutral. So if you have a leg length discrepancy, if you have a functional rotation of the pelvis, you are going to develop deviation to the spine. You're going to develop an unbalanced shoulder girdle, and you're going to laterally flex your neck to bring your eyes and ears back to that level horizon, right? Yep. That may cause neck pain. That may cause headaches. That may cause shoulder pain. That may cause low back pain. But the source of that pain may be a leg length discrepancy. It may be a hind foot imbalance. It may be a functional rotation to the pelvis. So we treat with needles just to break up the pattern, but then we look at the whole structure as to where did the dysfunction start to occur and we solve problems. We're, we say we're of the pelvis school of thought. It doesn't always start in the pelvis, but once it's in the pelvis, it's everywhere, 
right? So we try to achieve neutral pelvis. We try to lengthen the spine. We try to minimize internal rotation of the shoulders. We try to minimize external rotation of the hips and treat any sort of compensatory patterns on the extremities, yep. right? And then we teach people, you know, the neuromuscular repatterning of good postural habits, strengthening and lengthening exercises where it's needed. But it's really looking at the whole body as a system, right? Not just treating the part that they came in that was generating the pain, right? Yep. I, I know that is a, a focus that we have at Freedom um, for most, you know, all of our therapists is that, you know, um, we have a lot of different therapists with different specialties, and uh, we need to look at that body as, as the whole rather than just as uh, individual moving parts. Um, and I think there's actually a couple therapists you would probably enjoy having a, a long conversation with, to I'm be sure quite honest. Uh, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of similarities, honestly, between your practice. Now, I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned being cash practice versus insurance practice. Um, and like we offer both, do you, are you able to fall under an insurance practice at all? Like if you, if you went to get certified by insurance companies, would you be able to, I'm, I just don't know. Within our practice, I mean, um, we have physical therapists, we have chiropractors, you know, we have uh, acupuncture, massage, athletic trainers. So yep. we have multiple different, uh, we have an OT and we have multiple different licensed professionals, all practicing structural elements, all practicing the same work. Okay. Um, but uh, we choose to be out of network cash practice uh, across the board. And, okay. and honestly, you know, I've, I've, I've long background of working in the work comp system, you know, first in California and then saw a number of work comp patients when in Wisconsin sure. and doing insurance negotiations. It, you know, I, I went to school to treat patients and, <laughs> and, you know, the amount of time that, that I spent tracking down payment, negotiating payment or with work comp, you know, you work so hard, you develop a relationship and a friendship with somebody, you get them feeling well, you know, and then all of a sudden something wonky happens with their claim. Now you're a debt collector on the person that you just helped get back on their feet and get yep. going. It's just not for me, man. You know, my contract is with my patients. They pay me if, if I get them well. And, and then if they want to submit it for reimbursement, you know, we furnish them with the super bill, you okay. know, itemized, you know, um, ICD-10, CPT codes. And, uh, and, and a lot of people, if they have the coverage, they get reimbursed or they use their HSA or FSA. Okay. You know, it's straightforward. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, it's, a, to me, it's a little bit of an interesting conversation just because I often hear from a lot of the therapists, especially our owner, Mike Caragenis, um, with his, he works a lot with TMJ patients and, um, we had, uh, a Dr. Chrissy Connor on, uh, a while ago to talk about sleep. Um, and they were talking about, you know, how comprehensive they have to be in their evaluations and, and they have to look at a lot of different things. And oftentimes, um, they're not, you know, with, with the way the current system is set up, they're not always able to spend as much time as they would like. Like we have 45 minute sessions here, but you know, I know Mike will, you know, run late on patients because he's gone way over the, the amount of time just because of how comprehensive he has to be in his evaluation. Um, and that they wish that the, the system was a little bit different so that they could accommodate that. And it does seem like, you know, cash pay is, is great, but not everybody can afford that. So how, how do we, how are we going to at some point be able to extend being able to give that time 
and effort and thoughtfulness in, in evaluation of patients um, and looking at all the correct things and looking at the body of a whole, because it does take a lot of effort and a lot of time. Um, and I don't think the system is necessarily set up for that. Is there something that you would change specifically or something that you'd like to see, or just, I know it's a big topic and coming up with the solution is hard. That's why we don't have one currently, but right. it's, it's a, it's a huge topic. And, and, and I don't, I don't ever fault the therapist. Okay. Because I think the therapist is, you know, people go into this profession because they care about helping people. And a lot of people went into this profession because they like to solve puzzles and they like to think critically, you know, and unfortunately a lot of the, you know, larger practices that really, you know, focus on maximizing insurance benefits and maximizing reimbursements of modalities, um, and farming out as much work as possible to lower paid techs. Um, a lot of physical therapists find themselves just, you know, doing evals and, and, and farming out the work because of the pressures of, of meeting numbers and, and an insurance based practice that's negotiated, you know, lower rates of reimbursement and it forces the volume game, you know, and mm -hmm. it, it's really un unfortunate. Um, if you look at the at the the actual economics of it, in terms of what does it cost you to get better? Okay, yep. so if you actually look at price to relief, and you start looking at copay of what people are paying for their copays, and you start looking at the frequency of visits, and you start looking over that that twelve you know visit course of therapy and what you actually got out of it if you're in a, a practice that's high volume and you're being worked on by a tech and nobody's really looking at you from a critical thinking standpoint and solving not just what the pain generator is but what's the source of dysfunction right oftentimes we get people complete relief in three to four visits that might cost them three to four hundred bucks yep. right mm -hmm. but they're back doing what they love to do feeling great you know, well, and you, you might pay that with the way deductibles are. You might, you know, easy. unless you're going to meet your deductible for that year for a surgery or something easy. else, like you're right. going to hit that, you know, you're going to pay that anyway. Easy. And, 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 and then you start talking about what, what, what are people's time worth, right? Yep. If you're missing, if you're taking time, especially if you are, you know, in economic hardship, now you're taking time away from work, you know, which is oftentimes is not paid leave. You know, what, what's your you know time of travel? And, you know, if you're doing multiple visits a week, with your co-pays. I mean, if you really look at the hard economics for it, I, I push back as an argument of people can't afford our care. I say people can't afford not to have quality <laughs> care, you know, so that they can get back to work yeah. and they can get back to doing what they love to do, you know, with, with good results. So the, the, the real economics, when you boil it down, it, it, you know, it's, it's probably skewed in our favor, to be honest with you. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't doubt that. I mean, to, you know, a certain extent we offer cash pay pro cash pay solutions um, or, or options uh, for that reason is just because sometimes, honestly, if you're not going to meet your deductible, um, you, you might as well do, do the cash pay services. And like you said, you're probably going to end out probably on top um, yeah. with everything. So, um, so I want to know a little bit more um, kind of, so you developed uh, structural elements and, and it's, Structural Elements is obviously the name of the company, um, but it sounds to me more like it's a, uh, you know, philosophy of practice. Is, is that correct? It is correct. So we started off as a continuing education company. Okay. So Structural Elements started off as the name of an, an approach to the body. 
And, and, and honestly, um, the term, uh, you know, structural, I'm a, I, I do structural, you know, manual therapy and, and, and elements is both a play on, you know, I, I did study Chinese medicine. So there's the elements of Chinese medicine, but more so it's looking at the, the mechanical, um, uh, components of the structure. So our, our logo, if you look at it, it's called a tensegrity model. And a tensegrity model is, is a structure uh, where the elements, the compression and tension elements are balanced. Okay. And, and this is a, this is a, a, a model that's used like, I'm, I'm, I follow the International Fascia Congress. Um, I, was, I was part of the, the first Congress in 2007 at, at, at Harvard and will be the gold sponsors in Montreal in 2021. And I really follow the, the science and research of, of, the, of that conference is, as, as largely kind of our guiding um, you know, uh, a body of, of information that, that, that we use to, to justify kind of our approaches to the body. But they look at the, the, the balance of compression and tension elements, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a bridge, you know, you're looking at the, the steel beams versus the suspension cables in the body, you're looking at the bones against the connective tissue. And, and really, most joints are, are kind of hovering in space suspended by the, 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 the structures around them. Right. Um, so it, it's that space. It's that uh, that the pre-stress and all the tension um, are the, 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 the structural elements. Right. They, they are, you know, we're, we're quantifying mechanical stress in the body. And just like an engineer would, um, you don't want to wait until the bridge collapses, you know, to tell you that it wasn't a good idea to let cars drive over right? You bring in an engineer to quantify the mechanical stress to say, where are the weak points? Is this, do we have to put a weight limit on this bridge, right? And that's using science to, to be able to evaluate what a body or, or what a structure can withstand. We do the same thing for our patients. We identify problems before they occur of saying, oh man, there's going to be early wear and tear on this knee, given the rotation of this hind foot. Oh man, your joint angle, you know, in your hip is going to be problematic. You're going to wear out this labrum prematurely as a runner because your pelvis is grossly imbalanced, right? Either due to muscular uh, inefficiency or just structural alignment. So those, those are the plays. You know, so, so structural elements started, uh, we call it therapeutic assessment, which is basically um, the, the first session is really learning about, you know, end feel of joints, looking at movement potentials, looking for the presence of those focal adhesions, measuring off of bony landmarks to identify kind of three-dimensionally where there's rotations that exist, um, you know, doing some, some you know, gentle orthopedic testing to see what provokes or alleviates pain. Um, but we're, we're, we're all doing that within the context of kind of learning and working with the body, always focusing on big picture posture, always focusing on trying to, you know, balance the body to, to optimize its function. Um, so it, when I moved to Maryland, you know, back in 2013, my wife's family's from the area, moved here, didn't know a soul, decided to open up my own brick and mortar clinic. And we called it structural elements. And and ultimately, the goal was always to scale the educational components of the business. I opened the first clinic as just a humble little private practice, four treatment rooms, you know, 2,000 square feet, small, small little lab, you know, for, for the exercise and, and movement stuff. 
And, and all of a sudden I started realizing there's a lot that goes to running a business, you know, <laughs> you got to figure out not only your brand and your logo and your website and your marketing materials and your social media presence and all of your operating systems and, you know, your EMR and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of heavy lifting here. Right. And we, we did what I consider to be a pretty good job. Um, I've worked in, you know, probably 20 clinics over the years. So I've seen people do things right. And I've seen people do things wrong. And so I already had, you know, kind of the guardrails on as far as uh, blazing my own path. But, but we came up with a really modern looking clinic that was reproducible, you know, and, and had a really good look and feel. And, and we figured out all of our systems. And so we decided, hey, you know, this is this is something that we could do again, whether that was, you know, additional you know, company locations or what, but we were still trying to solve for how do you scale a continuing education company, right? And I had years where I taught like 26 weekends in a year and you're out there, you know, you're, you're teaching, you're teaching penmanship, but you really want to teach like English lit. Right. So, you know, you're, you're feeding so many people to orient them to how to look at the body, how to look at the body. But I always wanted to work with like upper level students who are asking the hard questions and we're refining technique and we're like problem solving all those clinical pearls. And so a big part of the rub was one, how do you, how do you have any sort of quality assurance when people are out there saying that they're doing your work and you have no contact with them? How do you ever create masters if, if, the, if, if the, the, the landscape of Con Ed is, is so transient, right? And then third, and this is, you know, it's a business at the end of the day, how do you get some sort of reoccurring revenue from people that are leveraging your life's work for, you know, a one-time fee? It just kind of, you know, I've always tried to solve for those things. And and ultimately, it wasn't patentable. Uh, the intellectual property protection uh, for the, the the teaching itself was very difficult to do first and foremost. But then to enforce it is is, is next to impossible. Yeah. Um, and we stumbled on franchise, right? We stumbled on franchise as a method of you know if people want the business practices, we have them out of the can. We can get you set up with your own clinic. If people just want to learn the modality, they can just become a micro franchisee and they can learn structural elements and they can apply it. You know, you mentioned you guys have a cash component to your practice. Mm-hmm. You're a physical therapist with a, with an insurance practice and you say, hey, we want something that, that we can do as a cash component that kind of differentiates from our normal therapy. Well, structural elements could be that cash component for you. And you could you could practice it at Freedom Physical Therapy. And you would just like like think of Aveda salons, right? Not every Aveda salon is a brick and mortar, but but you know, you have salons that, you know, DBA, whatever salon, but they also are certified in Aveda and they offer that, you know, that line of product or that 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 certification of service. Okay. So we're set up for people to be outside of our brick and mortar. Or if you want to open your own structural elements clinic, I'll tell you where the light switches go, what the trim paint looks like, you know, exactly how many square feet you need, you know, give you a checklist for all your pre-opening requirements and your systems. And, you know, so it's really, we're set up pretty dynamically, but, but first and foremost, our commitment is to education. That's why we built everything we've built. Um, So, so I, I guess specifically, you know, obviously this this podcast can go out wherever it goes out but uh are you, you i would assume you're pretty f- still familiar with the clinic in shorewood um Absolutely, yeah. j- just i guess walk me in walk me through you know a patient that might have something going on uh they don't necessarily know anybody at the clinic they're walking into that structural elements in shorewood 
um, I guess, what is their experience going to, to look like from, from start to finish? Yeah, so from start to finish, like let's take the scenario of a of a high school coach has you know a high school athlete who's who's you know getting some knee pain, right? Okay. And they can still play through it, but it's nagging, and you know it's starting to keep them out of a practice here, or there, whatever it might be. And they say, hey, I've heard good things about structural elements over there in Shorewood. You should give them a call. So first and foremost, they're they're going to be greeted, you know, by by you know a wonderful person who answers the phone because customer service is kind of one of our big pillars. Who's going to really help them end up with the correct therapist, right? So they're gonna they're gonna ask enough of what's going on to kind of understand, you know, who who is going to be the best person for them to see. Um, multiple qualified people in that location, mm-hmm. right? So uh, they're gonna make an appointment, right? They're gonna they're gonna be sent, uh, you know, their, their health history ahead of time that they're going to fill out online. Right. And then they're going to show up for their first appointment. Uh, they're going to bring a pair of shorts with them because all of our patients, you know, our male patients, uh, you know, stay uh, clothed in a, in a, in a pair of shorts and our female patients that have a pair of shorts and a, and a gown. Right. Yep. And uh, so they're going to go in, they're going to go through a health history. They're then going to explain to them everything that they're going to experience. Uh, as well as context, you know, we're going to tell them that we believe that the body thrives on efficiency, that any sort of structural imbalance is going to lead to inefficiencies that will end up with a pain generator. So that even though they're coming in for their knee, we're still going to look at their whole body, right? We're going to start with the standing postural assessment. We're going to watch them move if need be to see any sort of uh, functional uh, movement uh, limitations. We're then going to get them on the table. We're going to palpate around for what we call their number pattern where they have formed systemic focal adhesions throughout the tissue. Um, We have two primary services. One is the SE treatment, which includes the needles and manipulation. The other is DTR, which is just deep tissue restoration, which is going to be all manual therapy. Okay. Okay. So assuming they're in for an SE treatment, the therapist is going to identify their pattern. They're going to place, you know, single use hair, thin painless needles in the trigger points um, they're not going to bob and thrust to get to get the, the motor release. They're going to twist the needle until the needle meets resistance, which means that you have a mechanical coupling and the collagen fibers are wrapped around the shaft of the needle. That facilitates a passive process of getting hydration back to the connective tissue. Lasts about 10, 15 minutes that the needles will be retained. Once the needles come out, there'll be better tissue mobility. The therapist will then do a, a pin and strip type uh, organization of those fibers. So they'll hold a trigger point in place, take you through an active range of motion to reorganize those fibers. They will then offer any sort of gentle correction to the structural imbalance. That might be a, a soft leg pull. It might be a, a rotational stretch. Um, you know, it, it may it may look a few different ways depending upon their licensure, their scope of practice, their 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 confidence with with degree of, of force and manipulation, right? And their and their specific training. Yep. But everybody's going to organize the body, and then after the treatment, they're going to recommend any sort of strengthening and lengthening exercises or postural cueing that the person needs to hold that newfound alignment. Um, as well as they're going to be given any sort of do's and don'ts in terms of what may aggravate the knee, you know, moving forward. Right. Um, so it's a pretty comprehensive approach. Um, it, it's, it's relaxing, right. The, 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 the needle portion of the treatment, most people fall asleep. Um, the environment is really nice. There's nice quiet music playing. They're in an individual room by themselves. Um, we have, we have a uh, laminate or, or uh, luxury vinyl tile floors in case people drool on them while they're relaxing. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, and, and, and ultimately, you know, people leave, you know, feeling, 
balanced. They feel relaxed, but they have a bunch of information as to, you know, what, what was contributing to their knee pain. And we set them off on, on a course to, to help them achieve their athletic goals. And if we, and I say athletic, but that's, I want to clarify that active goals because we treat athletes, we treat high school athletes, we treat professional athletes, but, but also the, the, the grandparent that just wants to be able to not hurt after yeah. picking up their kids, that's their active goal. And it's totally relevant to us, you know? So we don't, we don't focus just on people that are hitting a ball far or, you know, playing competitive, you know, team sports. Um, it, it's really about achieving that active goal. Even if that's dog walk and playing with the grandkids or, or, you know, just being able to, to walk for cardiovascular fitness, you know, that's important to us. A hundred percent. That's, that's kind of one of our pillars as well. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of cheesy as, but it's like the freedom to do, you know, whatever it is you want, need to do or to live freely and without pain. Um, you know, it's kind of similar models there. Absolutely. Um, so I guess, is there, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you're like, I really was hoping to hit this home? Well, you know, I think that, uh, kind of if, if I have a soapbox to stand on sure it's that um again uh I think we need to break walls down between professions okay right and I think that you know what you guys are doing with multiple disciplinary approach with multiple different backgrounds and and kind of checking the ego at the door and really making it about patient outcomes and about getting people back to what they love to do you know, and even within professions, you know, it's, it's easy for one clinic to get a little catty with what another clinic's doing. <laughs> and all. the thing is, there's, there's plenty of market share to go around, right? Mm-hmm. We're never right. in any shortage of people who are either in pain and we're never short of people that could improve the way they feel and find, you know, better um, vitality and find, you know, better performance and find better joy in being active, right? There's no shortage of market share there. So I feel like, you know, first and foremost, knowledge exchange should be at the core value of every therapist and that that ego should be checked and one profession should learn from and take from another profession anything that we can share to make patient outcomes better and it i have no problem i mean i'm the ceo of a franchise company at the same time as i'm a therapist right i have no problem with the prospect of a for-profit, you know, entity that wants to make a good living and, and, and all of that. I'm, I'm not saying it's a business at the end of the day. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that there's anything wrong with that, yep. but how you get there should be on the backs of patients who you have empowered them, you've educated them and you've, you've, you've had their best interest at mind. And then you've supported other people from coming up through the ranks to be the best therapist, to be the best business owner, to be the best entrepreneur, to create the healthiest lifestyle as a therapist that they can create, right? And and I do feel like the system, if you want to call it that, right, um, has has gotten a little sidetracked. I mean, you know, the way that insurance um, has gone, not of any malicious fault of anybody that I can, you know, identify, but you can't compartmentalize patients and have their best interest in mind. You can't do it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we need, we need a revolution in wellness. We just do. It's, it's time. We're dealing with an outdated system that has continued to shrink down, shrink down, shrink down scope of practice based on reimbursement rates. And I think we're going to hit the bottom of that pretty soon. 
And I'm really happy to talk with people like yourself that are thought leaders and innovators who are going to be ready to take the lead when this new, you know, freedom of, of practice is going to be um, the demand of patients that want to get better and they're willing to put their dollars there, you know. And, and so that's, you know, from from a, from a mission standpoint, man, that, that's what we're setting out to do more than anything else is just give people access to quality care without all the hoops, without all the red tape, without all the restrictions, you know, um, because, you know, people, uh, people are motivated and there's nothing worse than taking somebody who's motivated to be active and, and, and it's just limited by a solvable, you know, musculoskeletal, uh, you know, hurdle, you know, so, um, we need to eliminate those barriers as much as possible. Yeah, and I think I think a big part of that is honestly, like it's just like you're you're kind of alluded to. I think like the educational aspect, not only of the 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 providers, right, but also I think of of the public that there are op there, there are these options out there, right? There there are options to to get better and and to live without pain to a certain extent and. Um, be free to move and, and do the things that you like. It's out there. Um, I just, to a certain extent, it's also a little bit of awareness where I don't think the general public has the awareness that these options are here. And also the awareness of, you know, differentiating between providers depending on their models, right? Like, you know, there are some large commercial physical based, physical therapy based providers um, try not to name names, but there are, are there out there, or like you said, a physical therapist will see, you know, four patients during the same half an hour block or, you know, 20 minute block or whatever it is. And you're mostly getting treated by an aide or an assistant. Um, and you know, not having the, that trained eye on you the whole time, um, or working with you, whether that be through movement and exercise or through, soft tissue work or through dry needling or using all those tools in their toolboxes, you're not getting what you could at, at different providers, uh, like freedom, like structural elements. So, um, no, I agree. And, and I've said, you, I've mentored a lot of therapists either within our system or people that I went to school with and, and they've struggled getting their practices thriving. And, and they say, you know, everywhere you go, you know, I've, I've got this huge waiting list and it's like, why, you know, how do you build your practice to, to, to this level? And, and I say, I never market a day in my life. I educate. <laughs> yep. Okay. When I'm out there, I'm not selling. I'm making people aware that a solution is available to them. Okay. So that becomes about them, not about me. Right. So as soon as you start kind of, you know, going out as, as, as a, as a, as a crusader of saying, Hey, like, you know, options are available. You don't have to suffer. You know, we want to get you healthy. We want to get you active. It's no longer about marketing yourself and what you offer. It's about telling somebody that that solutions are around the corner and they're available. And and that is easy to do because you care about other people. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. When the agenda is about making money, when the agenda is, you know, about yourself, then you're selling, then you're marketing. And that doesn't feel the, the same authenticity. That's right. You know, yep. And, and it's, it's, it's as easy as that. And then, you know, word of mouth spreads like wildfire. People feel better, you know? So, 
Um, it's as simple as that. But, but you know, you guys are doing great work. I've been familiar with you guys for a long time. Um, you know, I'm really happy that uh, that my hometown, you know, Milwaukee is is you know is is producing as many good therapists and and, and has you know as many active people uh, as, as as there are. I feel like there's been a, a big renaissance of of fitness uh, in that city, and and it's just it's really great to see. Every time I come back, there's more people on on the lakefront. There's more bike races. There's you know more more uh, more and more activities. So uh, so I, I love seeing it. And thanks for keeping all you know my hometown people uh feeling feeling good and healthy it's much appreciated well it's been a pleasure talking uh with someone that's so passionate um about getting people better and kind of addressing a little bit of the system at play uh and you know check out structural elements they're located on oakland avenue and shorewood um just south of fox point where we are and um you know, do you have any, any last plugs that you'd like to give? Otherwise, uh, it, it was really a joy. Yeah. I mean, just for the listeners, depending upon who chimes in, we also have two locations in, in Maryland, one in, one in Frederick and, and one in Hagerstown, uh, north of DC. Um, and, and again, we are set up as a franchise. So if you have a, a listeners who are, you know, other therapists that are interested in learning more, um, you know, structuralelements.com uh, has, you know, links out to the franchise offering and, 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 and I'm a real hands-on owner operator, man. So, you know, if anybody, you know, I'm just dug at structural elements, blow up my inbox, you know, <laughs> if you want to get into a dialogue with me directly, I'm, I'm, I'm always here for you to answer questions or to, you know, to, to kick some ideas around. So, um, you know, I, I welcome that from, from anybody. So, um, but again, I really appreciate the invite. Uh, appreciate you taking the time and, and you're doing good work. Keep it up. All right. Thank you so much, Doug. Uh, have a wonderful day and um, good luck to you and in, in all of your business and, and getting people better. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing exceptional one-to-one hands-on care to the greater Milwaukee area for over 25 years. Our physical and occupational therapists prepare custom plans for your condition to relieve pain and improve performance. Allow us to help you enjoy more freedom at freedompt.com.